last night we were, I was uh, talking to uh, my mom on FaceTime, you know, being a mom, she hears that my knee's messed up, so she's calling to check on me and make sure everything's okay. And uh, so once she was done making sure I was okay, and she's like, I want to talk to Rowan. Um, and so they're, they're talking, and Rowan comes up to the phone, and, and uh, he's talking to her. Hi, Nana, I play hide-and-seek. And she's like, well, are you hiding or seeking? Uh, okay, is Mommy or Daddy playing with you? No, I just play hide-and-seek. So then Nana says, uh, well, why don't you go hide, and I'll, I'll look for you. Um, and so Rowan runs over to the middle of the, the den floor, right in the middle of the room, and grabs a blanket and pulls it over his head, and, uh, and then starts making as much noise as he can. Um, that's his method of hiding, is uh, covering his head and then making noise, and so that's how you're not supposed to be able to find him. Well, uh, and so it was, it was pretty funny, and I was very glad as the holder of the phone with a bum knee that I did not have to go seek very far for Nana to find him, um, but, uh, but yeah. And uh, that kind of leads into the passage that we're, we're looking at today. Uh, we're in Luke uh, chapter 8 uh, this morning. And I'm going to have to get used to preaching from a stool. I hope it's not messing you guys up too much, too. But uh, Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 16. Now, this passage is picking up um, right where the same kind of theme that we covered last week. Last week, we covered the parable of the sower, uh, where we looked at uh, the different uh, soils um, that represent different people's responses to the gospel. Um, If you were not here last week, I encourage you to go and listen to that one on the, the website. We had a little trouble with the recording last week, but we got it where it's kind of where you can make out what's going on. Uh, so you can go on there and, uh, and listen to that one. But basically, in a nutshell, we saw that there was these four different soils um, that represent people's responses to the gospel, and that we only really have assurance of salvation for one of those four. Um, and that's the, the ones that land in the good soil, and they're growing and they're producing fruit, right? And, uh, and so that's what we saw last week. And then Jesus is continuing kind of with that theme of talking about how um, we can know that we are saved, how we can be sure that we are um, of that good soil. And he tells another story, another illustration, another parable, where he's taking uh, a modern, an everyday situation that people would understand, and he's applying a spiritual uh, teaching to it um, so that people can understand what he's trying to say. And so uh, here in verse uh, 16, it says, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will be made known, that will be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will will not be made known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away." And so that's our, our passage for today. And uh, so he's talking about this lamp. Now, when we think of a lamp, what do we think of? We think of that thing with the electrical cord that goes into the wall, right? And it has either one of these old-timey clicker things where you pull down on it, or it's a switch, or if you're really fancy, you can just touch it and it comes on, or you know, some of you clap and, uh, and get your, your lamp to come on or whatever, right? Um, but what lamps were in this day and in this culture, it was uh, a little clay um, container 
that was shaped kind of kind of like that, kind of like a bowl. And in one end, you would put oil, and then a, a, a wick would run from the oil up up the spout of the thing. And at that end, you would light it. Okay. Um, and so through that, it's kind of like a, a candle except with oil instead of wax. And uh, it burns the oil through the wick um, to produce light. Now, a couple things to think about with that. Uh, one, the oil was not cheap, okay? Um, and, and also it was of limited su- supply. So this is not something that you would do lightly, right? Um, are any of you uh, the people in your house that go around and turn off the lights after everyone else? Anybody in that group? Okay. Brittany's raising her hand, but I promise we take turns being that person because uh, we each fail at times. Um, but yeah, why do you do that? You do that because we're paying money to have those lights on, right? Uh, and we don't want to waste electricity. Um, or some of you might have even better motives than that. I'm, I'm completely selfish in mind. Some of you might be like, I'm doing a better thing for the environment. But, um, but I'm just like, hey, we're wasting money. Um, so, but yes, yeah, that same concept um, would apply here with the lamp. And so no one would go to the trouble of paying for the oil, putting it in the lamp, lighting the lamp, and then hiding it, right? That makes no sense. Um, You wouldn't do that and put it under a bed or put it under um, a bowl or something like that. Like that, that's just nonsense. Like nobody would do that. Um, Also, if you put it under a bowl, if the bowl is airtight, it's going to go out anyway because the air would uh, not get enough oxygen to make the flame work. So, So that's the kind of lamp that he's talking about. And he says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. You elevate it. You put it in a prominent place where everyone can see. Where are the lights in your house? They're in probably the place where they're the most effective. That's typically how we want to do our lighting in our houses, unless you're an extreme home designer person who uh, has everything exactly uh, nuanced. But uh, even with that, you're still being very strategic in where you're putting it um, so that things can be seen. And so uh, Jesus has taken this and he's applying a spiritual principle to it. To help us understand this, if we look at what Jesus says in John 8... Um, about himself. In John eight twelve, 12, um, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so when we put these together, we can see that Jesus is ultimately that light source. He is the light of the world. But when we're his followers... If we are those who are growing in the good soil from last week, then we have his light in us. And that light is going to shine. It's not something um, that we will want to take and hide. So if you have the light of Christ in you, then you will not hide it. You won't hide it. And so maybe um, in certain situations, in certain places with certain people, Um, it's kind of hard or inconvenient to live as a Christian, um, to shine uh, with Jesus shining through you. And so what you do is you kind of try to take it and you try to hide it a little bit, right? You try to put it under the bed. You try to put it under a bowl so that you don't stand out, so that you're not different. But what Jesus calls us to do 
is to actually stand out in a prominent place in that setting and to shine there, to shine forth with his truth, to shine forth with his gospel. Because what does light do? Light reveals the reality, right? With the lights down low and it real dim, you don't see the imperfections, right? You know, the easiest way to, to clean up a room, just turn the light off. You don't see it anymore, right? And some of you are like, no, Wayne, that doesn't work. Exactly. Because the mess is still there, even if you don't see it. But what the light does is the light comes in and it reveals the mess. It reveals the imperfections. It reveals the flaws. Right? How many of you ladies, when you're putting on your makeup, want as much light as possible? Why? Because you want to see every imperfection so that you can cover it up. And us men, we're just hopeless, so we don't even try. And that's what the light does. And that's what Jesus says here. uh, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Jesus says ultimately the light's going to reveal all. It's going to reveal all the imperfections. It's going to reveal everything. In Romans 2.16, Paul tells us that in the end, Jesus is going to reveal everyone's secrets. And God is going to judge us based on those things. Think about that. You're, you're standing before God at the end. And what comes up? The one thing that you think you've kept hidden from everybody that you are the most ashamed of. And the light reveals it. And says, yes, but this is what you did. Here's where you were in your life. Here's what you did with that. Um, Another passage, 1 Corinthians 4. Verse 5. Says this, Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. Before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart then each one will receive his commendation from God. So here Paul tells us that in that end, that not only is it our deepest, darkest secrets of things we've done, but even the intentions of our hearts, the things we've even just wanted to do, our desires will be laid bare, and we will face judgment for those things. But... The good thing about Jesus is he knew that was what was going to happen. And as the light, he came to give us a different option, to give us a better way, so that when we stand before God, it's not our deepest, darkest secrets that are brought up, but instead, it's Jesus' holiness and perfection that's brought up in our place. Because when Jesus came, he lived a sinless life. He had no secrets. He had nothing he was hiding. And yet he paid the punishment for the sin. Sin is the biblical word meaning the things we do wrong against God. And yet he paid that punishment so that we could be forgiven. 
so that we can be made right with God. And what he did was he says, here's a way that you can take all of those deep, dark secrets and you can put them on me and I'm going to take care of them for you. I'm going to remove that guilt from you. So instead of when, we, when God pulls up your file and as the light, I have to reveal all of the evil that you've done in your life. Instead of that, what's going to happen is you'll stand there and I'll say, he's mine. She's mine. As you look at her, see me. God, as you judge this person, judge them based on what I've done. It's the great exchange. He takes our sinfulness and we get his righteousness. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing that we get simply by asking him to be our Lord and Savior, making him Lord of our lives and following him with our life. Having faith for his by Faith you've been saved, not of yourself. It's a gift of God. So taking that free gift that he offers us and we receive it and we apply it to our lives. And because of that, we are made right with God and we can stand before him without any fear. But the thing is, when he does that in our lives, there's a big change that happens. And we go from our sinful person that we were to a person who's striving for holiness in him because he changes us on the inside and he gives us his light. The very light that will reveal all is now inside of us and being lived out through our lives. And so not only will we not hide it, we cannot hide it. If you truly have the light of Christ in you, it cannot be hidden. It's going to shine forth. Just like Rowan's attempts at hide-and-go-seek, it's pretty clear where he is. It's pretty evident. Although he thinks he's hiding, it's obvious he's right there in the middle of the room. The same is true with the light of Christ inside of us. If you're truly a believer, if you're truly a follower of Christ, and you truly have the light of God inside of you, as much as you might try to hide it, it's going to shine forth. So why not just let it shine all the way? Now, what it does is it does reveal imperfections. And sometimes that's kind of offensive to the people that have those imperfections. So we need to be extra careful to show them the love as we're shining, to show them how they too can have that light. Because that's the purpose of the light. It shows the way to Christ. It shows the way that we can be made right with him. Because the light of Jesus will reveal what is in your life. So what, you, what do you want to be seen when you stand before your maker? What do you want the topic of conversation to be when you face judgment? Do you want it to be your deepest, darkest secrets that you think you've hidden away from everybody? Or do you want it to be Jesus's righteousness instead? I take the latter because I do not want to be judged based on what I have done. But I stand confident in what he has done and what he continues to do for me. 
Um, okay, so verse 18. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. So this verse clarifies what Jesus was talking about last week. He said, let, him who have, let those who have ears, let them hear. So he's picking up on that and he's saying, take care how you hear. Make sure you're understanding. And it's, it's a real, genuine salvation that is within you. Because here's the promise. For those of you who truly hear it and you have the light of Jesus in your life, what's going to happen is that you're going to get more. More will be given. There's so much packed into that little statement. More will be given. First off, I think that means more will be given here and now. As you live your life walking with Jesus, you begin to shine more and more and brighter and brighter. At least you should, if you're following the Lord's will. And so I I was thinking, I was convicted this week about a time in my life, uh, is about, probably about nine years ago now, um, me and some buddies, we went hiking in the Grand Canyon. And, um, uh, and when we were down in there, a uh, rainstorm uh, blew up. Grand Canyon, who knew? Desert, but there's a rainstorm. And the wind was pretty bad. And so we looked for somewhere to get shelter because it just came up really quick. And, uh, and so we found this little, there were like three walls left from where there was a mining camp um, down in the area where we were. Um, so there's no roof, but there's at least walls, and the rain is like blowing sideways. So we're like, let's hunker down in here. So we jumped in there, and uh, and this guy um, comes in too to do the same thing, and so we get to talking with this guy, and uh, this he's quite an interesting fellow, um, as you can imagine, people you meet uh, in the bottom of a hole in the desert. Um, but uh, he had been hiking. He he was on this trail going the entire length of the canyon, okay? Uh, so it's like thousands of miles or whatever that this guy's doing. And he keeps talking. And uh, apparently he just got married. And, uh, and this was his honeymoon trip um, with his new wife, who had never hiked before in her life, um, was, uh, was hiking the Grand Canyon. Apparently she only made it the first thousand miles or whatever. And, uh, and then told him, I'm just going to drive and meet you at each of the rest stops along the way from here on. He said, man, she did really good for a rookie. (laughs) We're like, wait, wait, you just got married and you're down here in a hole by yourself. Okay. Um, but then the conversation went on and, uh, he started just talking about the beauty that he was seeing. And the complexity of everything that you perceive while you're down there. And he couldn't make sense of how it happened. He couldn't make sense of how it was there. Um, he couldn't make sense of what it was pointing to. And, uh, and my regret is that I didn't take that opportunity to quickly share with him the fact that I know how I got here. I know your scientists disagree I'll tell you a a point of view that makes sense to me. God did it. He created it all. He's a God of beauty. He creates beautiful things. Whether he did that from the very beginning in creation, or he did that through erosion, or whether he did that through a great flood um, that channeled this tunnel out in the middle of the desert, 
I don't know which way he did it, but he did it. And so as I'm walking through here, it makes me praise him for who he is. And I get to praise him because I know his son who came for me. That's what I wish I said, but I didn't. The rain stopped. Dude ran off to go find his wife. We went on to continue crawling into the hole in the desert and almost ran out of water and died, but that's another story for another day. And I say that to say I hope that now nine years later, my light shines brighter. I'm more bold. That I'm more ready to share whenever an opportunity presents itself. I hope I don't try to hide it. I hope I don't try to put it under a bowl or under the bed. But that I let it shine through because of Jesus making me brighter and brighter and brighter through my life. That's my hope. That's my desire. I don't know fully if I'm there or not. I know I still have room for improvement. I think we all do. I think we can all identify with that story. But uh, as you live a life that Jesus shine, that shines for Jesus, you should get brighter and brighter over time. And so are you living that life? Is Jesus shining through you? Are you getting brighter? I hope so. But also, as I mentioned, that little statement has a whole lot of meaning in it. Because yes, it happens in our life here and now, over time. But ultimately, in the end, it happens in a big way. That we get way, way more. In Revelation chapter 19, I'm going to read verses 1 to 9. And this is um, the Apostle John uh, was given this revelation by God um, so that he could see what's going to happen in the future, so that he can know um, what's to come for those of us who are in Christ. And uh, in chapter 19, after this, which was just a, a big battle and God has been victorious, after this, what I heard, what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of a mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Who's the bride of Christ? The church. Those who have his light inside of us are his bride and this is our future. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. 
for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. You see, Jesus' light in us grows during our life, but then ultimately, in the end, when we're restored with God, when we're made right with our Savior, it shines the brightest of all when we become his bride. And as his bride, we get to live with him for eternity in his perfection, where he shines and there is no blemish. There is no mess. There's no corruption. There's nothing that is wrong, but there's just him in his holiness and perfection given to us as well. And that is the ultimate hope for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Because those who shine for Jesus here and now will shine with Jesus for all eternity. But, as Jesus warned us, as he warns us here in Luke, there's some who think they're in that group but they're not. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, abundantly, abundantly more. And for the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. So what does that look like? For those who might think that they're in Christ Jesus, but they're not really. What does it mean for it to be what they think they have to be taken away. One Revelation 20, verse 11, this is what John was shown. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, And books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. These are the deepest, darkest secrets, the motivations of our hearts. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's heavy. We don't like talking about that part. That's not very happy. That's the destiny for people who aren't in Christ Jesus, for people who do not have his light inside of them. That's growing and growing and growing. So ultimately, they're going to be judged based on their lives. They will be found guilty, and they will suffer God's punishment, God's wrath. I don't know about you, 
but a lake of fire does not sound very fun. It's pretty weighty. It's pretty serious. And a lot of churches today want to shy away from this kind of conversation because they just want to love people. And my thing is, how can I love someone and not warn them? We need to warn people. This is what God who created you has revealed is going to happen. Which group will you be in? When they open the books, will it be a record of all of your wrongs? Or will Jesus step in and say, no, their name is right here in my book, in the Lamb's book of life. They get to come to the, merit, to the wedding feast. They are part of my bride. They shine brightly for me. Which will it be for you? Which will it be for your loved ones? Which will it be for your friends? Which will it be for many people here in West Kelowna? In Kelowna, in the Okanagan, British Columbia, in Canada, in the whole world. Those of us who have the light we're entrusted with it for a reason. To shine for other people. To show them the way to hope. To show them the way to salvation. To show them the way to faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And our hope is not only in his death. That's in his resurrection. The fact that he is alive and well today. And that is proof for us that these things that have been revealed about the future will also come true. The fact that he fulfilled all the prophecies about his life, ministry, death, and resurrection leads me to believe that he's also going to fulfill all of the prophecies about when he comes back again. Because he's pretty good at keeping his word. So this is what's going to happen. How does that change our lives? How does that impact the way that we shine for Jesus? Let's pray. Dear Lord, these are heavy things we've talked about today. Um, God, we do not take this lightly. The great price that you paid for us to be made right with you, the fact that we're able to be restored to you, the fact that Jesus takes our filthy rags that we have made with our lives, all of the ways that we have messed up, he takes that on our behalf. And in return, we get his holiness and righteousness applied to us. Lord, let us be good stewards of that righteousness. Let it grow in us. Let it grow more and more. Let it abound up until the point where we get to be united with Jesus as his bride. That we get to be in your presence for all eternity. Lord, I pray on that day when we stand before you, you will say, well done, good and faithful servants. Enter into my rest. And Lord, I pray that because of us, because of your work through us, there will be many more there on that day. Many more who are welcomed into your presence 
because you worked through us to bring your light into their lives. Let us shine for you, Jesus. In Christ's name.